love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. 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 I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Talking Mike about. and Charles, they know what they be talking about. Talking they compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they won a loss. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yessa and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yep. Dr. Cavill's inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We have none other than Joshua Sims Sr. You know, he usually joins us uh, during the fall when we're in football mode on Sunday morning on our show. And then every once in a while he'll come in also as a guest professor bringing this information. but. As we told you, uh, or as I should say, we're dedicating this show to the business side of HBC Sports. So let me give you this introduction as we get going. Welcome to episode 386, Inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast, a show that's covering the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC Sports, for institutions large and small, from the NEIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBC Sports culture. HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, with our co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, uh, with a special segment of Joshua Sins Sr. of HBCU Nightly, Wednesday night, catch up at 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern. It gives you two and a half, three hours, power pack of just the HBCU sports culture um, unfiltered in so many different ways is one of the best ways I can explain it. Uh, but it's everything there. KCH 1230 AM Studios with the Texas Radio Hall Famer, multi-hall of Famer Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. With that being said, Charles, how are you doing today? Doing well, Doc. Doing well. Like I said, enjoying uh, wrapping up this semester. It's been a, uh, a good semester, so looking forward to uh, seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. No doubt about it. Mike, how you doing today? Man, glad to be here in the lab. Man, it's two days in a row. I got a break from uh, life on the road. So happy to be in the studio with you fine gentlemen. So uh, let's get it started. No doubt about it. Appreciate you. And none other than Professor Sims, as I like to call him, as he's one of the hardest working men in the business uh, that debuting HBC nightly up to almost 50 episodes you know you gotta do something special when you get that magic number that's that's nice that's nice we'll, yeah, we'll doc, figure it out we'll some. figure out. I got some hints for you I got some hints for you. <laughs> and then he has some other creative things that he's doing uh, along with that where he's splintering out they got some big things that's really coming up then you got X's and O's with him and BJ Jones as they'll be bringing that out in the fall full effect uh, doing some coverage of the spring football as they did on the show. HBC made a lot of good stuff there. But I wanted to get into the business side of this. You know, you're a businessman coming out of North Carolina Central, the business school there. Uh, so cut your teeth and all that hard work there. But um, you opened up the segment last night in terms of HBCU nightly where you brought out a lot of facts, a lot of data, as Mike Washington would say, right? Data points. If you would, I want you to share some of that information. The first part of it was talking about the Celebration Bowl, and you kind of went on from there with the MEAC Sweat Challenge. Uh, you touched on, obviously, also the CIAA Basketball Tournament. If you would, kind of recap that and give us some of those numbers so folks can really feel what direction you were going, and then we'll come back and circle back and talk about why that's important. Absolutely. Yeah, Doc, man, um, uh, last night on HBCU Nightly, we opened up specifically with the data. I mean, it was it was incredibly important. Um, I had some great conversations over the last week uh, with the sources themselves. Um, as this time of year, most people know during this time of the year is when most companies are rehashing contracts or they're really kind of getting back to really trying to make sure everything is ready to go, especially for football. This is an incredible part of the year 
where you started to get a chance to see the numbers. How did we perform this time last year? How did we perform during the season last year? And so I opened up specifically about the attendance. I did. I started at the Celebration Bowl, and uh, I was able to get the data specifically from the source. Of the 42 bowl games last season, the Celebration Bowl finished number 12 in attendance of the 42 bowl games last year. But if you remove the finite part of that is if you remove the college football playoffs and the Rose Bowl and things that bowl games that have just been around a very, very long time, they finished. We finished number five in all of the remaining 37 of the remaining 37 after the college football playoffs and the Rose Bowl. We finished number five in attendance. I thought that was incredibly important for people to understand the celebration bowl has only been around since 2014. Right. And in a matter of a half of, I mean, we not even at a full decade yet of this bowl game being around to finish number five behind when you remove the, cele- uh, the, the college football, the FBS's college football playoffs, and you remove things like the Rose bowl and maybe even the orange bowl, some of these bowl games that have just been around a long time. When you judge apples versus apples, and bowl game attendance, the celebration bowl, the, the mecca of it all, the HBCU granddaddy of it all now. Our Super Bowl finished number five in attendance. It gets even better, Doc. I talked about viewership because you talk about being able to get it done on the ground right. and being able to get it done in the air. And the airwaves as it pertains to this, the air attack as it pertains to this, and I know Mike, being a military guy, will understand the importance of when you're battling in a war, you got to be able to hit them from both the air and you got to be able to hit them in the ground. And sometimes you might even be able to hit them from the water. Well, let's talk about how we did through the air, right? (laughs) Let's talk about what we did through the air. Out of the 43 bowl games, out of the 43 postseason registered bowl games last year, the Celebration Bowl finished 18th in viewership. Then again, if you remove those same six bowl games, the college football playoffs, the national championship, the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl, leaving 37 remaining. The Celebration Bowl finished at 11 in viewership. So that's a top 12 finish in both viewership and attendance. Now let's talk about it from the water. How do we win it from the water? Well, both of the, both the MEAC as well as the CIAA basketball tournaments, both happen to be played near some water. Right, the CIAA basketball tournament played in Baltimore, Maryland, near the water. You can go up there and get you some great crab cakes, get you some phenomenal seafood. I would consider that to be a water attack. Even the SIAC is played in Savannah. Got some water near there, don't we? Yep. Swag Championship played in Birmingham. I don't know if we got too much water near there, but we'll just say it's a water attack still. The city of Baltimore has reported that the economic impact of the CIAA basketball tournament there is plus two and in certain days plus three than its normal economic impact on a daily or a weekly or monthly economic impact perspective. We ain't going to stop there because that happens to be the biggest. Let's go to the Mideastern Athletic Conference's basketball tournament. That happens to be in Norfolk. It's the most criticized. Don't get me wrong. I do my criticism of it as well. But the city of Norfolk would go through hell and high water before they let the Mideastern Athletic Conference leave. The local businesses, as well as, as well as the Better Business Bureau of the city of Norfolk or the Norfolk DMA, has reported that there's been so much of an economic impact that there's been an influx of businesses created over the last three years since the MEAC has been in Norfolk. I'm almost willing to say, because I haven't gotten the numbers yet, but if I put a hypothesis out there, I'm almost willing to say that the same economic impact has happened in Savannah, Georgia with the SIC tournament, that Savannah, Georgia will be willing to go through hell and high water before they let that tournament go. And I'm pretty sure the same thing has happened with the swag tournament. Because you look at, even if you look at the football game, the, the championship between the swag championship, and you compare that to other conference championships, ladies and gentlemen, the ACC basketball tournament was down 32% in attendance this year. I got that straight from the source. The Atlantic Coast Conference, which is considered widely as it pertains to Division I basketball, 
as a top one or two basketball tournament basketball conference in all of college basketball was down 32% in attendance this year. And it wasn't because of COVID. It is because the historically black college and university is now at a precipice. And, and I just, I got to say this last part before I get to that. The media inventory for both the MEAC and SWAC challenge and the celebration bowl. For those of you who don't know what I mean when I say the media inventory, these are the commercials that are played in between breaks. These are the sponsorships that are played, that are involved in the games. These are the on-site activations that happen there when you walk up and you see the, the little football toss where you can throw the ball into the McDonald's toss. For both the MEAC SWAT Challenge and the Celebration Bowl, both last year and for this upcoming season, the media inventory is sold out. Sold out. You now trying to pitch to see if you can get in the bed for 2024. <laughs> this is the impact, the economic impact, when it boils down to it, the bottom line dollars, that you are starting to see the historically black college and universities, our conferences, and our conglomerate of institutions start to have on the bottom line of these companies. You're getting ready to see a huge announcement made really, really soon. I cannot. I promise that I would not make that announcement for them. But you're getting ready to see a huge announcement made. And the only word yeah, that I've said that it. I promise that I would not it use. It is significant. It yeah, is I know significant. what you're talking about. It's significant. And, oh, my God. Hmm. Now, when this information comes out, HBCU family, get your checkbooks ready. Get your checkbooks ready. Get your pocketbooks open. Make sure your wallets are ready to go. Because we have to continue to push this economic impact forward. And it starts mm -hmm. with us. But to hear these numbers like this, Doc, I was I would have been remiss if I did not come on the biggest show in the, in the entire part of our diaspora, which is inside the HBCU Sports Lab, with the generals. And I did not give this information. I couldn't just hold this to HBC nightly last night. I had to make sure I came on the biggest show that we have inside that diaspora and really, really make sure that information was presented. Yeah, I, I'm excited about that. And Charles, I wanted you give you the first chance. You were acting like you was in the class there with the notepad. I, I like that. That's, that's pretty cool. He's ready to go to work. So go ahead. I don't know if you wanted to comment or ask a follow-up question, but either uh, direction you want to go, take it away. And, and you or Joshua can answer this question because I, I, I like for some things to be demystified uh, for the fan base listening. Uh, what are our variables that make up economic impact? What is it that cities are looking at that says Okay, this is part of uh, you know the the, the 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 metric that we're looking at in terms of uh, the impact that these uh, events are having in our city. I'll, I'll give an example to, to answer that question. Small local business in Baltimore, Maryland, on a day to day basis, may do X amount of check tickets inside of uh, you know inside of their restaurant. They see a times two, a plus two, meaning if they normally do five hundred. Because the CIAA tournament is there, they're doing 1,000. They're doing 2,000. They're doing 3,000, 5,000, 10,000. That's the first one. Here's another one. Hotel normally kind of operates at anywhere between 75, 80% occupancy rate. <laughs> we had 100%. We had 100% plus a waiting list. Here's another example. Small local organization inside the area normally does about maybe 15 to 20% investment dollars from, from, uh, from philanthropy in a weekend, they make their year's worth of philanthropy, their, their philanthropic obligation and requirements and goals in a weekend. Mm -hmm. That's the type of stuff that North Carolina Central, I'm hearing estimates of numbers around $3 million made in a weekend from the Celebration Bowl from alumni giving. Come on, man. These are real deal numbers. These are things that you can take to the bank. These are hard dollar numbers. And the economic impact that it has on a small local business is huge. You show that type of economic impact, you now have the ability to go to a bank and say, look at what we can do year over year. This changes your bottom line figure. This changes the caliber of a company you're considered to be 
just because you had a two to three to four times X weekend due to a historical Black College and University's conference tournament being in your town. And you're they saying that, look that at has, the, uh, they look at the receipts, tax dollars on the meals that you get that are going to restaurants, as you talked about the small businesses, which include restaurants. Um, you look at also um, tax, I mean, um, rentals, uh, car rentals, obviously mm-hmm. the tax, taxi cabs. Now, when you're talking about um, Lyft and Uber, they factor those costs in there as well in terms of that. Uh, the number of folks that are coming into the city from the airplanes in regards to what those look like, what is the percentage of capacity of flights that are coming in uh, and how they increase. So those are some of the other ways they look at impact as well. So this and they, typically, they typically uh, break it out into uh, three buckets, from what I recall, mm-hmm. and it's direct hotels, restaurants, retailers, transportation. So you got taxis, you got Ubers, whatever. You got indirect goods and services. So you got small businesses, medium-sized business, restaurants, and then you have what's known as induced, and that's people, just general people spending. There's mm-hmm. also another one that they factored in, and they call it the, they, uh, uh, entertainment expectations. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so uh, the entertainment factor that goes into that. That hasn't been a traditional consideration, but le- lately in some of the latest models, they're starting to look at that entertainment factor as well. So that economic impact number, these are, this is a number that we can attach to the brand value of the event itself or to the schools participating in the event. Yes, Both sir. Of, Absolutely. That's exactly what you want to attach them to is the brand impact and the conference institutions. Go ahead, Josh. What did you want to add in addition? To no, it, it just it just further helps us to be able to create a value based assessment of our institutions and our conferences. Everything is based off of value. And then this goes to tangible numbers, right? That sales and use tax that happens inside of a municipality or a government, that local sales and use tax that happens, right? At, whether it's here in North Carolina, we're at 7.25% sales and use tax, right? So once it, when it's all said and done, if you get a shirt that's $10, put 7.25% on top of that 10, and that's what you're going to end up paying. That's the amount of money that goes back to the Department of, of Commerce here in the state of North Carolina that helps us to fund different things, right? When you look at that and you are an institution like our institutions and you can say, we have generated by us having our tournament here. Yes. We have generated X amount of dollars in taxable funds. Lord have mercy. Yeah. See, and this this goes to one of the things that I love. It's one of my favorite lines from Jay-Z. I don't even know if Jay was the first one to say it, but men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Yeah. There is a lot of contracts that are on the line right now. My favorite line. Like, there's some network contracts that are on the line right now. There are some cities that are buying, that are praying and hoping and wishing that they can just get a, a slice of this pie mm-hmm. because of how impactful it is. Listen, no FCS conference gets played on the major networks more than HBCUs. And there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. Look at the economic impact. Mm-hmm. Look at the viewership. You, I mean, look at what this does. The city of Atlanta would be foolish to let a top five bowl game leave its town. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Last one. Let me let you, Mike, come here with a follow-up statement or question to Josh before we go to our uh, first no, 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 no. Tremendous data points, man. Uh, I love the way you built that up. One question. I got into uh, a con- conversation from one of my neighbors. Neighbors, he's uh, an avid supporter of the SEC, and we had this very same discussion. His point, his point was, and I brought up some of this because we talked about it. His very points was was number one: you had Jackson State, you had North Carolina Central. If you switch those two, and let's say it's a Grambling and a Mississippi Valley, would you still have that that impact? And I said, well, look at what's done in the Cotton Bowl. It doesn't matter what team, you know, you don't look at which teams are playing, you know, those teams are going to bring some kind of crowd. So number one, it would be, I guess, partly bias if you do that for the one HPCU bowl. And number two, historically, the numbers of this bowl celebrate don't do anything but demonstrate progressive increase over the last five, six years, no matter what teams play. Would you agree? Would your numbers support that? 
Absolutely. And there's variables to be able to support it, right? If you, if you, for most of us who attended the Celebration Bowl, you saw two things in particular. The first thing you saw in particular, you did see a large influx of fans for those institutions that were participating in the, in the Celebration Bowl, right? You saw a lot of North Carolina Central fans. You saw a lot of Jackson State fans. You saw the this fans. Is the other, the this is the other point I brought up. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. But this is the other point I brought up. Here's the other variable that I know, I know Big Brother Mike is really going at. You saw a large influx of fans that had nothing to do nothing with to the, do. the actual participation in the Celebration Bowl. You saw Fort Valley State. You saw Fayetteville State. You saw Morehouse. You saw Spelman. <laughs> you saw Morgan State. You saw Tennessee yeah. State. You saw Texas Southern. You saw Prairie View. You saw Miles. You saw Lane. You saw Rust. You saw Fayetteville, uh, FAMU. You saw, and FAMU probably didn't necessarily want to be there in that capacity, but they still came. <laughs> No, I was no, cause I, I I left I left the uh I no, I, I left the uh I left the media booth and went down and snuck down to get a drink and I was dancing with fam you drink, so they were there. Absolutely, they were there. Hey, school down the highway, AT, y'all was there. Y'all was there in, in droves. John, wait, wait a strike. Y'all gonna be back again. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I'm surprised he even throw out again. his favorite school over there down the street. Make sure they got a little bit of it too. <laughs> they was in there deep. They was in there deep. They wanted to see why the big home if the big homies was gonna win win the national championship. That's why they wanted to see if the big homies. <laughs> but, but I mean, always talking about the baggage for y'all that don't follow. HBC, you know, how, you right? know how we do. You know how we do. I got to always see. But all jokes aside, if you looked at the hotels inside the hotels, you saw a smorgasbord. You saw a plethora of yeah, all of the one hundred plus in of our institutions yeah. represented there. And that is where, that is what, and I hate to say this, and I don't really hate to say this. I really think it's valuable for me to say this. That is the invaluable proposition that the Celebration Bowl presents for us. It is almost hard for us to be able to gather and really, really collect that data. I almost wanted to do a straw poll of how many different institutions and how many different fans from all these different institutions were representative there at the, age, at the Celebration Bowl. It has really become our version of the, of the Super Bowl. It has really become a big re family reunion where all of our institutions can be able to come to. And I think the biggest part about that, Big Brother Mike, that really, really resonated with me is that I was able to see multiple generations yep. of multiple mm -hmm. different HBCUs represented there. That meant a lot. I was able to see people who graduated in 65 from Barbara Scotia. I was able to see people who graduated in the 70s from Morehouse or from Miles or Lane. I was able to see people who graduated from the 80s and from Bethune-Cookman University or St. Aug or Shaw. I mean, this was an absolute amazing experience that then became quantified by the, by the numbers themselves. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think you would love to see the event become uh, team-proof. Uh, I think like you were saying uh, in, in your Cotton Bowl example, uh, that yeah. the event itself, regardless of who comes, uh, it mm -hmm. is that 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 variable, that, that economic impact variable that 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 you kind of take a look at that I think is fascinating. So that's, that's great stuff, Josh. Yep. Appreciate you for sharing that, Joshua. Great work that you're doing. Continue to do it. Continue to bless us with the HBCU Nightmare on Wednesdays. I know there's going to be a special show this week with the HBC, I mean, with the NFL draft, looking at HBC players that will be drafted. So fascinating to continue to see work. And the whole team that you put together over there uh, are really doing uh, yeoman's work. Keep holding up that flag, as I like to say, uh, and let's get it done. We'll see you back on the other side as we tend to do the work. Let's get into our first break. We'll be right back on the other side. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot of and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yesa and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. Dr. Bills inside HBC Sports Lab. Welcome to episode 386 inside HBC Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast. The show is covering the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC Sports. From institutions large and small, from the NEIA to the NCAA, we share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Bill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bitch, filming from our home studios and sending a signal live at KCOH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper in a beautiful home at Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. You know, I was so excited to make sure we got into the, the business side of sports. I didn't really give the update there, so I wanted to make sure we do what we do. I already asked you how you're doing, so I want to ask you, Charles, in terms of some HBC news. I know you wanted to stay on this reframe in terms of the business and talk about some other business notes that are out there for Tennessee State. Go ahead. Yeah, well, Great article on HBC Game Day by Stephen Gaither, a new stadium uh, for the Tennessee Titans of the NFL would save Tennessee State University a whole lot of money. So uh, Tennessee State, uh, which plays its games at Nissan Stadium, which is the home of the Tennessee Titans, uh, now has an opportunity uh, to save money. Uh, uh, Take a look at the article, uh, and this is coming from uh, Eddie George. Uh, The cost for renting the stadium at Nissan Stadium is $200,000. That cost will be alleviated uh, thanks to the new deal between the Titans and the city. And so this is coming from uh, President Glenn Glover right now. Uh, Tennessee State pays $200,000 per game. Uh, So she's saying they would save $200,000 as we play six games. And if we choose to not play at the stadium, uh, TSU will get $150,000 per game, which means uh, savings up to $900,000 per year. So uh, significant news coming out of Nashville. Yeah, it's big time news. It's fascinating when you talk about the fact, one, that now they're going to be able to save some expenses, which is also benefit when you're talking about, obviously, ledger of profit expenses in the business ledger, you know, with revenue coming in as that gets going. Uh, but then I was fascinated to say that, you know, they have the ability to do six games, but every game is almost like a buyback program. Every game they do not play there, they get 150 k so that can be up to 900 k almost a million dollars. So in some cases like that, I, I'm always questioning, like, do they want us here or not? Uh, I want to say, <laughs> why, why would I want to play over there now if I get, get a little rebate back? Everything will be at Hale Stadium. <laughs> yeah. They got to do some renovations to Hale, but maybe they can use some of that money when they save from a game or two to help renovate over a period of time where then you can maybe increase to have uh, multiple games really on, on campus to the point where you only have your big games, whether it's homecoming, maybe uh, obviously uh, the opening football came, the John Merritt Classic, which is Labor Day weekend, or other classics that you may create. You have those over there where you can get those capacity crowds. So it's going to be kind of fascinating how that goes. Mike, did you have any thoughts in terms of that as you do some of your data components before you bring in some other um, news reports that are out there uh, that I know you wanted to touch on? Any thoughts on what you just heard in terms of Tennessee State? Yeah, so <clears throat> I guess it, it touches on what, you know, this last minute or two of conversation. You know, you always have cost gained, you know, and then cost lost, you know. So by doing this deal, it you know, it appears you gain some stuff. But, you know, what about the games you don't play? You know, how much are they, you know, how much are they losing? You know, can, you know, is, it, is there a way, as you mentioned, Doc, and, and, and CB, to maybe just pick two games or three games to serve as focus games uh, there. Uh, the other thing is, if they do play those games, what was lost to me is 
are there any maintenance uh, ancillary costs that Tennessee State's going to have to pick up? Um, sometimes you have like, you know, uh, refreshment stands, you know, custodial service, trash, costs that you don't always see with big deals. I, I guess underlying this, there's probably a lot of details. And I wonder, are there smaller ancillary costs that Tennessee State may have to pick up as a result? It's a big deal on paper. Looks good. But I wonder, are there hidden costs, smaller ancillary costs that Tennessee State may have to pick up as well? Man, sounding like a businessman, VP, environmental, executive director, all the different titles he got, plus that MBA, executive MBA. Is just, let me put out that executive part of it that he got from Texas Southern University. Sound, sound like you're using all those little knowledge pizza right there. Good stuff. Uh, did you uh, come across uh, the information of a new report offers insight into HBC secret sauce? Mike, um, did you want to give a date on that? That uh, new report offers uh, secret sauce? I did. I didn't have a chance to delve too much into the details. So I'd like to hold off on that one. Well, I'll give an update. I know you you were talking about bringing that up, but this is the part that stood out to me just before we take this quick break, um, before we come back and bring in our next guest. I did want to read this. There's a report that cites evidence that adjusted uh, for the difference. African-American students are up to 33% more likely to graduate than African-Americans at similar non-HBCUs. Yep. Other research reference in this paper shows that for Black students with initially low test scores, attending an HBCU is associated with double graduation rates. The advantages appear to extend past graduation. Black students who attend HBCUs receive higher wages and are likelier to experience upward mobility. African-Americans from HBCU score higher than PWIs, or what I refer to as historically white college universities, Peers on measures of self-esteem and black identity, and we're also more likely to vote. Um, so it's fascinating to see what this yeah. study that um, is titled in the diverse education new report, which offers insight in terms of HBCU secrets sauce. It was written by John Elderman. Uh, and again, you can get this on diverse issues in higher education. Uh, where you can read the full uh, article in regards to the study that was taking place. There, Let's there, get there into one, our second break. Uh, hold up, come back right one, back. One, on thing, the other one side. thing, real quick. One thing, real quick, Doc. I didn't. I, I skimmed that as, as I was in the meeting. And there's other things that that article alludes to. There's intangible things, so cultural buildup, maturity of students that go to HBCUs as well. I didn't have a chance to really put all the pieces together, but it talks about the facts and the figures. You know how much, how many dollars you make coming out, but there was the underlying pieces that I thought were more important: the cultural buildup and makeup and maturity of those individuals who go to HBCUs. So I didn't get to have a chance to really delve into it, but it's a great article, and I'm sorry I wasn't as prepared as I'd like to be. No problem. You added that little part about the cultural component. Just to, uh, stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. We'll come back on the other side. We're going to give you another. A business report give you another upside on another announcement that came out that gets into the business of HBC Sports. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Five-star backyards, Yellowwood brand pressure-treated pine. If it doesn't have this yellow tag, you don't want it. 
Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. Compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mo Carter of Fox 54 Sports. And he's putting in a little work. I know you showed us during the break, but you can you can flip it around and show our guests a little bit real quick, just where you are and what you're doing and how you continue to be the best at the craft. Absolutely. So I'm actually here in Atlanta, Georgia, on the campus of Morehouse College for the 2023 Cricket SIAC Men's and Women's Outdoor Track and Field Championships. I'm actually um, rolling with the broadcast team, which is led by the one and the only boss man, that's Roy Evans, along with a few other Black College Sports Network personalities. We've been rolling all day. It's only day one of all the action. We've got more of it coming on tomorrow with uh, more prelim action. But in the meantime, I appreciate Dr. Bill reaching out to me to explain something very, very important this past week that went down in the HBCU world. Exactly. You know, our whole show today has been dedicated to the business of HBCU sports. And I can't bring a better topic as you have an update on the Magic City Classic in terms of the contract. And I know you are able to break it down in a lot of ways and give us some insight that you probably didn't quite get in some of the articles that folks out there have read. So I'm going to turn it over to you and just give us an update, you know, five, six minutes, if you would, in terms of details of what you saw in terms of what was kind of build up because we saw that there was a little stagnation in there and questions of whether it was going to get done. And then finally, uh, at some people look at it, maybe the last hour, significant numbers uh, were reached and uh, you have signatures or at least uh, folks that have agreed upon in principle that they're ready to move forward. Go ahead, Mo. Absolutely. So with the Magic City Classic, the game itself being played in Birmingham, you have several entities that have to sign off on things actually being done. One of those entities is Alabama State, the Hornets out of Montgomery. Another entity is Alabama A&M, the Bulldogs out of Huntsville, Alabama. A third entity is the city of Birmingham. You know, local governing officials, which include Mayor Randall Woodson, an HBCU graduate. Matter of fact, I'm on his uh, on the campus that he graduated from. Uh, he's a Morehouse man. And then on top of that, there's another entity which, you know, has changed a few times through the years or whatever from a marketing standpoint. It used to be Bruno Events. Now it's um, more of the Alabama Sports Council. So they are the main uh, entities when it comes to making the game actually happen. So with that being said, you know, first of all, you need the teams to sign off on quote-unquote agreements. Back in November, both Alabama A&M and Alabama State verbally agreed to extend a contract to keep the game being played in Birmingham, Alabama, because, you know, nowadays they're going to continue talking about, okay, will it continue to be played in Alabama? I mean, well, in Birmingham, will they consider moving home and home? Will they move away from Legion Field and potentially go to Protective Stadium? You know, there's always going to be those talks. That's just literally what it's going to be. Those talks rev up, especially when UAB have the city of Birmingham basically build a brand new stadium downtown as well, which is now not only home of UAB football, but also the home of the Birmingham Stallions and the United States Football League, um, New Orleans Breakers as well. Last year, they had the whole year over there. So 
you know, that's something you know, like people will like definitely consider it up. But going back to Alabama AM and Alabama State, they verbally agreed to be like, all right, we're gonna play this in Birmingham or whatever. Alabama State went ahead and signed off their deals with the city of Birmingham and also the Alabama Sports Council, which was good for them because there was talk that, hey, we're going to find a way to pay you more money because Alabama State and Alabama A&M felt like uh, they should be earning more money from a guaranteed payout standout. So they had signed their stuff, but Alabama A&M, as of the beginning of last week, had not. They had only verbally agreed. There were no signatures on the dotted line. I talked to Dr. Paul Bryan, the athletic director of Alabama A&M, after their banquet on Monday, and he couldn't tell me as much because clearly there's litigation that goes into it. And Dr. Bill, you talk about how there are only certain things that can be talked about when certain signatures have not been signed or certain presented. It almost becomes he say, she say until it's finally signed on that dotted line. Well, come Tuesday, Alabama A&M signed their agreement, but their agreement was only with the city of Birmingham. With that being said, that means that the game was going to be able to be held in Birmingham for an additional four years. For Alabama A&M, that means that they were going to also get a payment of $500,000 from the city of Birmingham alone, which is a great increase from, I think, the $375,000 they got last year. Now, here's the thing that's waiting in the wind. The Alabama Sports Council had put in their terms that they are willing to pay at least $700,000 if Alabama A&M signs the deal with them as well, which would bring their total to a grand total of $1.2 million per team, which, let's be for real, that is unheard of with most HBCU classes. It really, really is, especially for a classic like Magic City that's been going on for such a long time. But right now, that signature is not happening from Alabama A&M because there's some other language in uh, the contract that Dr. Daniel Wims, the new president of Alabama A&M, and Dr. Bryant, the Alabama A&M athletic director, want tweaked just a little bit. It's kind of one of those you read between the line things. Honestly, I think it's more so they probably want a little upper hand on, hey, let's say Legion Field is not up to standards in two years or something. I think they want to change that language to possibly see if they can change some other things when it comes to the playing area, for example, because I feel like that's the odd man out in the whole scenario with Legion Field because clearly there's not much money going into that old gray lady anymore. So that's what I personally think with it or whatever. Clearly, we want to get more details on that. But when you look at anything in between, you really have to think that Alabama A&M wants to tweak some things for the future. And it kind of makes you wonder, will this current deal being played at Legion Field go to 2026? Like it's originally stated, after we see more changes um, in, I don't know, maybe a year or two. Because another thing that I've come to learn is that some folks in Birmingham have been trying to get Legion Field to be listed as a historical uh, monument. If you can get that, mm-hmm. then you get federal money to upgrade it all the time. Right now, the city of Birmingham is basically upgrading it the best way it can because they look at Legion Field as like a city park to where you only need to make the minor adjustments. But for anybody that's been to Legion Field, look, it served its purpose, and I mean... If you're not about to refurbish it in any other way, you got to go somewhere else with it, in my opinion. Your attention, please. Great point, great point. Mike, let me let you jump in here. You hearing all those data points. I know, I'm sure that you have some comments or questions that you want to ask. Yeah, the complexities in the contract in and of itself. It seems that Alabama A&M is leveraging that for the future, the next two or three years, all right? And if I heard you correctly, Alabama State is good with the as-is. Is that correct? Correct. Because Alabama State signed, signed the contract, I think, back in January, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So those complexities, they're they're very minor. But the other thing is, I didn't hear a lot with the intangibles of that as well. You get, all right, you play here, you get X amount of dollars. Very good, very lucrative, but are there any any other things from a leveraging standpoint? Who's paying 
parking or who's paying this ancillary terms that normally come with a game day event? Are those addressed in the contract as well? And if so, yeah, the are they split or? Yes, the ancillaries are still pretty much the same like they've been for a number of years. The schools get X amount of hotel rooms. The schools get, you know, X amount of meals and several other things within the city of Birmingham. They actually, a lot of that that comes with the Mad City Classic also is a help because of the swag being located in the city of Birmingham as well. So, you know, Dr. McClellan kind of be like, well, hey, remember, y'all probably promised this to us. So clearly we're going to make sure that you guys hold up your end of the bargain and deal. And then there are some other things that clearly you would have to really deep dive. But think about it. It's the McDonald's Magic City Classic presented by Coca-Cola. You don't think McDonald's and Coca-Cola are just putting their names up there without putting, you know, money up front to make sure that they're being taken care of in, in that situation and that scenario. So clearly somebody's paying those bills and I'm pretty sure, you know, they, they've got a pretty good deal with the ancillary things as well. But definitely a good question with that, Mike. But for sure, your yeah, ancillary is being taken care of by somebody and it's been being done for a very, very long time. Because, look, let's be for real. It is a huge weekend in the end of October in the city of Birmingham because of Magic City Classic. And, of course, falls on Halloween weekend as well. So it's almost like you get a holiday in that situation. But you know those those, um, those hotel rooms about to go up like that anyway. That was, yeah, that's the other thing. The hotel room's going up. So, yeah, yeah good stuff. Charles, let me let you jump in here and give your thoughts on Questions that you have. Yeah, well, I kind of wanted to follow up on something that you, you had mentioned because I was curious about just the future of the Magic City Classic in the facility like uh, Legion Field, especially when you have uh, other facilities there in, in, in Birmingham. Uh, but uh, just the importance of, of playing the Magic City Classic in this facility and for a lot of us who grew up outside of the bubble of the Magic City Classic, funny, Magic City Classic was always on the weekend when Jackson State and Southern played. So I didn't really get a taste of it until, you know, post my my post uh, undergrad years. But just the significance of playing that game in Legion Field. Well, I mean, the significance goes all the way back to like, God, the early 20s, 30s or whatever, because similar to how the what is not, you know, the State Fair Classic where, you know, now we see Grambling and Prairie View play. But, of course, I know back in the day, you know, the HBCUs that used to play in that game, they were only playing because it was Negro Week. I think it was something similar for Birmingham as well. And at the time, you had two emerging HBCUs, you know, looking for a good place to play. And Birmingham has just always been that place they've called home. And don't get me wrong, like, Clearly, it becomes a big spectacle for a whole lot of folks who either go to the game or outside tailgating. You got all these folks inside and all these folks outside. It also helps for that community that's around Legion Field. The people who are just trying to you know make a make make a nice honest dollar during during that time. But clearly, if you were ever go away from Legion Field, there will be some uh, big impacts. Clearly, I mean that community around it definitely will be impacted. But so the new stadium is downtown. There's less parking, there's less of a tailgating thing. So those are logistics that they're going to continue to go back and forth with. And quite frankly, I don't know what the true answer as as to be if you don't upgrade Legion Field. Is Protective Stadium the right place to be, especially when you go with the things I just said, and you lose about 20,000 in capacity because Protective Stadium, I think, for with standing room only can get you a little over fifty thousand compared to Legion Field, which can get you, you know, close to seventy. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Mo Carter, Fox Fifty Four Sports. Know you're a busy man, so we'll let you go after this. But let those that can't get you locally uh, in the Greater Huntsville area uh, on Fox Fifty Four Sports. How can they also follow you to get more information? And I know you dropped. Of this also in terms of providing a, a formal framework of that. Let them know maybe where they can go check it out if they want to get some more insight as you break it down. Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Mo Carter Fox 54 also on Facebook with the same name. Uh, I work for Fox 54 WZDX here in the Huntsville area. At least that's what I do 9 to 5. I don't want to say truly here because I'm in Atlanta right now. 
um, doing work with DCSN. But um, yes, if you actually go to my Twitter and then go, you know, scroll just a little bit, you will see my story on the Magic City Classic, and I kind of break down how things are to be with the five hundred thousand dollars, the seven hundred thousand dollars, and where all everything else, you know, can go to be with that. And also, if you ever want to check me out live, I'll say do it next week because I'm pretty busy with the track meet, you know, throughout the weekend. You can head over to uh, Fox54.com. You can actually hit the live tab and check me out. We're on at 5.30 p.m. Central and also 9 p.m. Central. Sports about 9.45 in that sense. But everything I do online, I also turn around and I will post it on our website and also on my Twitter and social as well. So, and usually you guys get tagged because I know for sure y'all want to hear about it and also want to get the inside focus on what's going on here in the state of Alabama, especially you, Dr. Cavill, with a wife who is an Alabama A&M alumni. You just had no to go say that, did you? You just had to go say that, did you? That was Fox 54 Sports. I appreciate <laughs> you sharing that love. Uh, Mike Washington giving me a hard time here. You know, he, he got the final. <laughs> Way to throw it in there. With that being said, we're going to take our last break, come back on the other side. Great work. Uh, continue be safe out there. Get it done as you do it for the BCSN and show up for the SIEC uh, track meet championships, man. It should be big. Keep us posted as you know those little nuggets come in and out. Appreciate your time, Mo Carter. We'll get right back and catch you on the other side. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this last break. Um, I get an hour, please? One dollar. Have a good one. Got it. Hey, what's going on? Hey. Let me get a now bar. Sure. One dollar. Appreciate you. Got it. When times get dark. We can't see the help that's all around us. Let 211 be your guiding light for mental health and other resources. Call 211 or visit 211.org. One bite of 100% Angus Beef Ballpark Frank, and you'll say. Hello, summer. Oh, yeah, it's ballpark season. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. Press the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to allow and who the ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, because he's going to teach a lesson. How much? This How is much? Dr. Gaville with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop uh, coming to a close. I did want to give one little final little note, kind of nugget that's in the frame of this business. When you're in that demand, you start seeing these things come up. You got the East Coast HBCU football class to feature Gramlin State and Hampton from HBCSports.com gave you this news. This is great. Gramlin State will play Hampton in the inaugural Brick City HBCU kickoff class at Red Bull. Arena in Harrison, New Jersey. Kickoff is scheduled for September 2nd at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The class is designed to increase awareness of HBCUs while also having direct impact on the city of Norfolk, Norfolk uh, through the awarding of scholarships, strengthening partnerships, and local economic development. Pope Hampton University is appreciative of the invite to participate in the inaugural Brick City Classic and the opportunity to face another legendary HBCU program in Grambling State University. This will be a great weekend for alums in the New York, New Jersey area to be a part of this prestigious class that reconnect with fellow Hamptonians and support our football team over the Labor Day weekend, said Hampton President Daryl K. Williams. And so that gives you some insight there. You also get your comments from the coaches. But with that said, it's going to be fascinating because, you know, you had the Michael B. Jordan basketball class that had like 12,000 fans there uh, earlier. So. Uh, the 
power punch in the businesses continues to show HBCU on the business side. Any final thoughts from you, Mike, in just terms of the business uh, components in general, HBCU sports seems like things on the upward trajectory and going really well. Yeah, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head with the upward trajectory. I, I like the exposure. Um, you're bringing Grandland, you know, to play, you know, in New Jersey, you know, what does that do for exposing the West side of the swag to the East coast? I always joke around and say, Oh, it's East coast bias. You hear a lot of East coast schools. So <laughs> having, having a Grambling play a school like Hampton, and if you could leverage it, right. You know, publicize it, market the event. I think it has nothing but upswing. So I like the thought of bringing someone from Louisiana all the way up, you know, to New Jersey, I'll say just the, the Northeast boardwalk. Um, I th- I don't think if you do it right, I don't, as much as I travel up there, I don't think you'll have any problems with sport. You'll get some folks going there and have some interest. Uh, so I, I think there's nothing but upswing with this event. Charles, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think, as you mentioned, uh, there's been a t- tremendous uh, thirst for HBCU uh, athletics, as we saw last year. Uh, with the game that was played in Yankee Stadium. So uh, this is a great opportunity for Grambling and, 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 and Hampton uh, to, uh, again, introduce their brands into uh, this part of the world that is uh, very well known with uh, uh, Grambling and, and Hampton as well. So looking forward to this game being played in New Jersey. Good stuff. Last thing I got here is Bethune-Cookman and Bell's plans for the new football practice facility from HBCUsports.com. Bethune-Cookman football program has available plans for a new facility that will be ready in August. The plans include new practice field, locker room, laundry facility, and storage space with a cost estimated of $5 million, a little over $5 million. Quote, extremely excited, end quote, BCU Athletic Director Regis Thesis said Saturday during a groundbreaking ceremony, quote, I'm almost excited to have Coach Woody to be our football coach. It's an amazing opportunity for us. It is an amazing opportunity for him. It's something that it hasn't happened here in the Long time. I really believe it's going to change the trajectory of the football program. End quote. Last thing here is the synthetic turf field will be cost almost 800000 Interim University President Lawrence Drake told the Daytona Beach New Journal after the goalposts, the fencing, and other necessities, the practice field will cost $2.5 to $3 million, the newspaper reported. So that's just our final news update we want to do, and that will do it for us. This is Dr. Bills inside the HBCU Sports Lab. I hope you enjoyed the framework they brought to you, giving you a little bit of that business side that we always talked about and thought it was a perfect time to bring it all together. I want to say thank you to our guest, Joshua Sims, Mo Carter, uh, and that's Joshua Sims uh, Sr. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta the Dean of HBCU Sports coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Watch and Charles Bishop. Again, I hope you enjoyed our guest. Again, I want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watch and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. Look forward to next week as we discuss the latest in the news in the lab, which includes a review of that big baseball game that will be in Montgomery. That's FAMU at Alabama State. And then Prairie View at Grambling. Uh, in terms of that baseball game on the west side, uh, perspective, respectively. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Instagram, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Facebook, Inside the HBC Sports Lab on YouTube. With that, make sure you think about the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference as they're in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, getting it done in terms of some of those matchups. Go check that out, big games, uh, as you started today. But it really good, gets the good action as you come out of there with Russ having the number one seed. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Mike? Lecture. Dismissed.